Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, a podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to movies that don't have any. I'm Harry and joining me as always is John. Hello. John, what's this week's film? You picked it? This week's film, I did pick it. It's Castaway, the Tom Hanks classic from 2000, I believe. 2000? It was much earlier than that. Mid-90s, wasn't it? No, no, no. It was set in the mid-90s. It definitely came out around 2000. Sure, sure. Okay, I had no idea when it came out. Mm -hmm. So, why did you pick this film? Well, I actually hadn't seen it all the way through. Did you turn it off before it got boring? No, I did watch it. You wouldn't have watched any of it then, would you? No, I was going to say, yeah, because I watched this film because I feel like like this might be an interesting one to do because I only know about it for... All I knew about this film was, you know, the basic premise and, you know, Wilson. It's like that classic (laughs) man. Yeah, controversial, maybe not a controversial opinion now, but kind of boring. I know. Kind of a dull film. Well, I suppose it's a film that is sort of demonstrating how important patience is. Mm-hmm. And it, it shows, it, it proves it. As a viewer, do you mean? Well, I'm saying that uh, Tom Hanks has a lot of waiting in this and sort of slowly learning how to do things. Like the bit where he has to light a fire. Okay, yeah. That takes like, what, 20 minutes of screen time? Yeah, it felt like they were showing that in real time. Yeah. Um <laughs> But I guess that's kind of the message that they were sending or something. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not too sure. Because the film really does go on mm. the end as well. Yeah, it has kind of a... You did warn me that because you have seen it before, correct? I did. I, I regret not um, challenging you to a drinking game, which I feel you would have accepted and then regretted, <laughs> um, which was drink for any product placement. Okay, yeah. Double drink for any FedEx product placement. Yeah, I would have died. <laughs> but it would have made it more entertaining to watch. Yeah, so. certainly. <laughs> I mean, the FedEx stuff I can get past, because obviously that's, uh, that's part of the plot. Yeah. But uh, everything else, like, oh, so for a treat, what would you like? Would you like this Snickers bar? Would you like this this Panasonic Walkman? Uh, <laughs> Even Wilson is a legit brand yeah. of, like, volleyball makers. So. Their sales must have gone up so much that year. Oh, I know, yeah. Mm. <laughs> did you go into this film assuming it was based on a true story? No. I really did. Well, this is as... Uh, last week's as well. This is a film that I've just known forever. Oh, okay. No, I've, so, I've known as long as I remember. Okay, fair enough. So, uh, yeah. When did you first see it? I don't remember. As a, as a child, mm-hmm. I guess. I went into this assuming it must be based on a true story. and Because I was like, why would this character be so boring? You're not based on a real person. You must have worked <laughs> Because why would you choose FedEx? And I, I guess because well, there's... You choose something. I, I guess, yeah. I guess there's that whole thing of... It ties into that thing of him delivering the parcel and everything. Mm-hmm. He just seemed like a really dreary character. Yeah, didn't he? This leads to another controversial question. Is Tom Hanks really a good actor, or do people just like him? Oh, that's such a hard question to answer. I think, yes, he is a good actor. I don't think that he shows it all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, I think he could be better in a lot of films he does. I mean, look at Forrest Gump. Mm -hmm. He is an amazing actor in that film. Yeah, he is. And I think that's it. I think people, everyone kind of has Forrest Gump and Big in the, you know, from childhood memories and people go in like primed mm. to like Tom Hanks. Yeah. He's a very likable guy and he was in these two big likable films, and other films as well, of course. Mm-hmm. But those two are the ones that I think most people saw when they were kids and, you know, stay with you. But yeah, I found him kind of hammy in this. Yeah, he, well, nobody's really interesting in this film. Well, the supporting cast are non-existent. Like everyone, everyone else apart from him has a complete nothing role. Oh, Hunt's got, got stuff. Yeah, but I found her plotline really annoying, actually. Really? Like, well, it, it was why? such an unrewarding role for her as well. Like, True. I mean, I don't like anything Helen Hunt has done. I just don't like her. No, she, she's a weird... She, this film falls right smack in the middle of this weird, like, two, three-year period when Helen Hunt was in everything. <laughs> I don't know why... She, like, won the Oscar for as good as it gets, and then mm-hmm. she was, it was just like, okay... Was that as good as it got for her? It, well, she didn't win a second, <laughs> so Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but there was just she was in this. She was in as good as it gets. She was in Pay It Forward. She was in What Women Want. Oh, she yeah, Pay in... It Forward. Yeah. So she she was like the I think because she's kind of pretty but not in a threatening way. 
Mm-hmm. She was like, she can play, she played a lot of like vaguely attractive single moms. Mm. I mean, that, that was her like USP, like yeah. you know, working mom, you know, trying to make it work. I just found her, yeah, she didn't really have anything to do in the film. And then she came across really unlikable in the second half in, in a way. Mm. I felt like had they come out and had that whole thing where, okay, we thought, I thought you were dead, so I've moved on with my life. I've got a new husband, I've got a kid now. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Then that would have been brutal, but actually quite... Understandable. Understa- totally yeah. understandable, yeah. But it had this thing where it tried to have its cake and eat it in a way where she's like, no, you're the true love of my life. But then yeah. he's like, no, 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 you have to stay with... You, you've committed now, you've squeezed our baby, we yeah. can't be together. I just found that really... Squeeze that. So I know so that, that's a little bit of a dismissive <laughs> way of putting it. But And I'm not dismissing, you know, obviously you want to do right by your children, but it just mm. felt like a really retrograde kind of... It just kind of felt like a bullshit kind of thing. Mm. I wish they'd have chosen what she'd have left the husband and got back with Tom Hanks, or she'd been like, "No, sorry, I've got a new life now, and it doesn't involve you because it's been four years, and I just, I've just put you to bed. I thought you're dead. Yeah. And of course, I feel things that you're back, and I'm sad, and I'm, you know, I, but, but, but that's not who I am anymore. Mm. It just really felt like it was trying to give Tom Hanks everything at that point. It was he got to be noble, but he also got to know, go away knowing that. Mm-hmm. He, she, he was the one. I, it just bugged me. It just, it just felt like a little bit retrograde. Yeah. I always knew you were alive. I knew it. But everybody said I had to stop saying that, that I had to let you go. I love you. You're the love of my life. Chuck. You have to go. Now, what do you think of the ending of this film? So, he he goes to that place, tries mm-hmm. to live with the parcel, he doesn't, and then when he's driving back, he meets the woman who actually lives there. Yeah. And then does he does he drive off to go and see her? Well, I suppose like that's at the, the end, that's the question, isn't it? What does he do? Yeah, it feels like he's now going to start stalking that woman. Yeah, that's that's kind of what it felt like. Yeah, because yeah, we don't know anything about her. She could be married. She could. Yeah. Who knows what was in that parcel? Yeah. Right. Again, I just it, it felt like a bit of a wet ending. I see what I had what problem I had with this film actually. Mm. It was that it felt like it, a lot of it was showing the boring bits in between the interesting bits. Yes, that's a really good way to summarize it. That's perfect. Because <laughs> <laughs> even on the island, it's like he gets to it. I don't know. That's exciting. You know, the the, the crash happens. That's mm. that's actually very exciting. Mm. Although I will say that I would, I would describe some of the effects work as suspect. <laughs> there's some very clear shaky cam cam you know when a cabin is supposed to be shaking like yeah. turbulence, and they're clearly just like rocking the camera back and forth there was a lot of that which I noticed oh, I thought that scene was pretty good the bit I didn't think was so good was that whale that came in near the end well I didn't even notice but, the whale yeah it surely did um, when he's out on the raft okay. and he's just sort of well, he's just seeing stuff at night it felt a little bit like Life of Pi okay um, and then this you, you see this whale it's tail just goes under and oh, get that yeah. shot and then the whale comes and sort of looks at him okay yeah and then disappears under the ocean without a ripple mm-hmm. like the <laughs> the cgi there was quite quite clear i thought yeah so he gets to the island and you get the a few scenes of him you know figure get acclimatizing to it and then it cuts like boom four years later and suddenly yep. he's tarzan well you say that but i was really happy that it cut to four years later because mm-hmm. well it, it did drag a bit that yeah it did drag we start to try, I was thinking, like, what else can they do here? Like, mm-hmm. he's learned to light a fire. He's done his own dentist work, which didn't really, really didn't need to happen. <laughs> like, I noticed that they laid the plot for it early on, because mm-hmm. I remember it. And early on, when it was like, they're having that meal at Christmas, mm-hmm. and he's complaining about his tooth. Mm. Just like, well, that makes There's a no. lot of foreshadowing in this film. Yeah. Which peaks at the moment he gets out the car with mm-hmm. Helen Hunt. 
And then he he literally does the horror movie teen sign off of Doom where he says, I'll be right back. Yeah. It's like, no, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I love you. I'll be right back. Yeah, there's a lot of cheesy, weird cheesy choices in this film. Yes. Yeah, but I felt like it, the cut from four years... Yeah, I know what you mean. It did drag from the first part, but I felt maybe I wanted at least a montage of him, you know, getting used to the island. And, you know, because he jumped from straight on the island to crazy Tarzan person talking to a volleyball. Mm. And I was like, I want, I want to see that journey. I want mm-hmm. to see when did he, you know... I suppose you see him initially speak to Wilson. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. It just... It felt like there was a lot of interesting stuff that could happen there. And then again, at the end, it was like when he escapes from the island... Suddenly, it's, he gets you see you see the boat, and I was like, "Oh, cool rescue scene! This is gonna be amazing." And then no, it just cuts straight to like four weeks later on a plane. Oh, I know. Oh my god. Like what? What? That that yeah, that's that's the best bit. Yeah. Why did they cut the rescue and jump straight to the admin? I'd like, like to see like his his rehab. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to see some of that. There was, there was no sense that he wasn't fine. That like, he must have had a, a period of adjustment, but we didn't see it. Yeah. I wanted him to be. I wanted if we're gonna see like an hour of the film after he gets off the damn island, mm. that hour better be full of some you know f- insane island man freakouts. Yeah. I just want someone moping around for an hour looking sad. Like, yeah. Mm. Oh. Yeah. yeah. That bugged me. That bugged me a lot. That re- yeah. Same. Same. Mm-hmm. And then, but yeah, so Helen Hunt's character as well, I thought it was weird because there's the scene where he's waiting to be reunited with her, mm. and then she sends her husband in instead, mm-hmm. which is a total dick move. It is. Did you laugh when he said, I'm your dentist? Yeah, that Pretty was... Because like, <laughs> he'd already, he'd, he'd, injury, he'd already yeah. mentioned his dentist earlier in the yeah. film, and it was just like, okay, what characters have we got left? Oh, yeah, the dentist, let's get him in. <laughs> And this, how was she his dentist? Was he her dentist as well? Was, he, was she having an affair with the dentist? It's a lot of a lot of questions. A lot of questions. Yeah. So she does that, and initially I kind of felt okay. There's, you could have sent your mom. You could have sent a stranger. The worst person you could send is your new husband. Yeah. That was so insensitive. But then you see, and then he watches her, and she's crying, and she's traumatized, and you think, okay, this is hard for her. Maybe she just couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. And then, then it cuts to again. I feel like yeah, but at that point, you've got to think. What's Tom Hanks feeling right now? Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. Also, did you know his name before the end of the film? No. Like, it was very much over sort of at the end of the film when they're showing all these news reports and stuff, and I was like, oh, so he does have a name. Yeah. Then he drives up to Helen Hunt's house, mm. and it feels like she's so nonchalant when she lets him in, considering yeah. she's just literally not been able to look him in the face, and then she opens the door and she's like, oh, hi. Yeah, <laughs> very much. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, where did that emotion go? Like, yeah. Oh, what a film. What a film. Okay, well... I've got more. I've got more. <laughs> I've got a lot more. Okay, so obviously we need to talk about Wilson. Okay, yes. Wilson! So, as I say, the, 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 the one thing I did look like about the before-year jump mm. was I got a big laugh out of the cut from, you know, Tom Hanks, just on the island, with his volleyball. Mm. Then four years later, boom, he's Tarzan, and Wilson has a fabulous new updo. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that really made me laugh. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, but were you waiting for Wilson to speak back? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> what? Because it kept cutting to it. kept like every time Tom Hanks was speaking to Wilson, it would then mm. cut to like this reaction shot of this like deadpan, you know, handprint on a volleyball. And it just looked like it, it had this long silence every time it was framing Wilson. I was like... Is Wilson going to speak? Is it, is it going to be that kind of film? I mean, what, what, what do you expect him to say? Like, the camera zooms in on him and he, go, he goes, here's the force, Tom. Well, like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> I just I wanted it. I thought maybe like Tom Hanks, having not, because I've not seen this film before, so mm. I don't know. I thought maybe like he imag- he projects something to Wilson and Wilson really does develop his own personality. Mm-hmm. 
Don't know. If Wilson was to have a speaking role in this film, <laughs> who would you cast as the voice? Uh, well, it's got to be somebody with uh, some kind of cartoon voice, definitely. Well, I have a very clear idea who it should be. Okay, I don't know who her name is, but the person who plays Bernadette in Big Bang Theory. Oh, yeah, her. Melissa Rauch. Yeah. Melissa Rauch. Okay, I can see that. I've never, I've never thought of Wilson as a girl. Okay. Okay, yeah. I just thought, no, no-brainer, Tim Allen. The voice of Buzz Lightyear. Oh, How funny would that be? Yep, yep, yep. That's a that's a pretty solid idea. Mm-hmm. I hope that's in your idea. It, it's not. I did consider going there, but then mm. I, I had a different idea. But yeah, the, again, I wanted a little bit more on the journey. Because when he first draws the face on Wilson, I, was, mm. I often, when I'm watching films like this, I kind of try and put myself in the kind of perspective of the characters. Like mm-hmm. put myself in their shoes. Is that when I'm, he draws the face onto Wilson and first starts speaking to Wilson, I, was, I kind of felt like, if that was me... Would you not think, mm, is this really a road you want to go down, mate? Mm, mm. <laughs> no good can come of this. Yeah. You're starting to talk us this volleyball. This is only going to be a downward spiral. Right. Well, I mean, what would you do? True, but again, maybe find a monkey. I mean, find something alive, at least. Well, I'm sure you established that there's no life on that. There's literally nothing, I guess. Yeah. Okay, fair enough, yeah. I don't know. I think that I, I might end up doing something like that, because what else are you going to get use-wise out of a volleyball? Could have used it to just, you know, play volleyball. You know, just, just keep, you know... Healthy body, healthy mind. <laughs> yeah, I guess, maybe. Mm-hmm. Reason to keep pretty fit. Oh, well, he lost, obviously he lost a lot, a lot of weight. Well, Tom Hanks famously, they held up filming for a year so that he could lose, like, two stone or something. So really? Could, yeah, yeah. He lost, wow. Yeah, it said he lost 50 pounds, which is, like, three stone in English measurement. Okay. So I was really crammed for, like, fat Hanks. Mm. But he just looked like normal Tom Hanks. It was only there's yeah. like... But then he was wearing a lot of chunky sweaters. Yes. And I didn't know if that was a choice. Say what you like about his acting, though. That man can rock a chunky knit. Yeah. He, he, wear, he can really wear this shit on those sweaters. He looked good in those sweaters. Yes, he did. <laughs> I know that um, they did a good uh, weight change in Spider-Man. Uh-huh. Where Which Spider-Man is this? Tobey Maguire? The first or? one, yeah. Tobey Maguire. Where before, in the film, before he got bit by a spider, they did that much earlier. And then he stopped filming for ages just while he bulked up. Uh-huh. And then watched just an overnight scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like six months or something. Oh, I see. Normally. So he wakes up and he's suddenly all like, yeah. roided out. Okay. Which is actually quite good, I guess. Yeah. Well, a lot of actors do that, obviously. Because but... mm. yeah. like, you see him topless before and after. Mm-hmm. So it's quite good. Yeah. Oh, did you get really annoyed? So when he lands on the beach, and he's lying, when he first arrives on the island, he drags himself to the beach, and it's him, and he's lying there. Did you get really stressy about how long it took him to pull in the lifeboat? I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I really should have cut in. Oh, my God. God, could have lost it so yeah, easily. Like, like it was just floating around there. Yeah, it's like don't open the FedEx packages now. Just drag in the lifeboat. Yeah, yeah. Oh my yeah, that really annoyed me. Similarly, how did he not die? Yeah, exactly. He, he felt like he should have died. He didn't. There's mm. nothing in these kind of films. It's like Gravity with Sandra Bullock's character. It's, it's mm. all, you, I want to feel like the character deserves to survive. Yeah, and there were elements of this film. I was like, you don't deserve to survive. You just you're just lucky. Right? Mm. He did prove to be more resourceful later on when he was making fire. Right? Yeah, definitely. And various other things, but uh, similarly, when he tried to escape the first time, and he's like on the raft, mm. and he cuts his leg, mm-hmm. and they do a shot, a, a very specific shot of the blood in the water. Mm-hmm. Did you think, ooh, sharks? Yes. Yeah, I was yes. so proud of sharks. One hundred percent. I mean, I already knew that that wasn't going to happen, and didn't didn't really feel like that kind of a movie. But where were they? What? Where were the sharks? Where, where was the Where were the jellyfish? Where were the sharks? Like, was just, it just not in that part of the world, I guess. Jellyfish are everywhere. I'm pretty sure jellyfish are like the ants of the sea. True. Yeah, I, I know that they're in Australia and they're in Britain. So. Mm-hmm. And that's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where else is there? Yeah, exactly. Okay, now I think that's everything, most of my ob- general observations about the film. I did have one question to close on though. 
Which of us do you think would last longer on a desert island? <laughs> oh, that is a great question. Okay, okay. Um, I would like to say me, but I don't think so. I think if the island involved some computers and maybe a server, then yeah, that'd probably be all right. Yeah. <laughs> if it was Apple Island. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that practically, you 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 probably got got me on this one. Really? Although, where is this island? Well, if it was this island. How strong is the sun? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I'd be dead in like three hours. <laughs> like, no factor 60, won't be melanoma straight yeah. away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I think you'd probably outlive me. Yeah, I right. think you're somewhat more practical. Wait, are we on this island together? Oh, that's a separate question altogether, yeah. Okay, if, we, if you were on this island together... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd have killed you very quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's probably fair. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't even regret it either. No, no. <laughs> Keep your head, you know, to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you go first this week. Tell mm-hmm. me about your sequel. Okay, so now I'm going to take you back. Okay. And listeners, I must apologise, but I'm going to reference our very first episode. Oh, wow, okay. Which was the Titanic. Okay. Um, it's not my proudest episode because well, we haven't really learned what we were doing yet. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, do you remember what it was about, John? The film Titanic. I have a vague memory, yes. Do you remember what my idea was about? Yes. Your idea for Titanic was a remake starring James Franco, Seth Rogen, and Jonah Hill. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be a stoner comedy in which they got really baked. Jonah Hill was supposed to be the ship's... Helmsman? Helmsman, for, no, for, for reasons. Mm-hmm. And they were going to be, ultimately be responsible for the ship sinking, but they would survive. Mm-hmm. Dressed as ladies. Yes. Okay. So they got away on one of the first lifeboats, just the three of them, mm-hmm. um, by themselves, because they're massive dickheads. Yeah. Um, and they floated away just while watching the Titanic go under. Mm-hmm. Now, Were cut, they alone on the boat? They were alone on the boat, just okay. the three of them. Now, cut to a couple of days later. So they wash up on, on just a random island. They're all feeling very rough as they're coming down hard. Mm-hmm. See, they got pretty baked last night. They look around, and they see, and well, see they're on a beach. Um, and Seth Rogen says, so... How did we get here? This is this is too hot for iceberg country. <laughs> iceberg country. <laughs> Scripting it as they would say it. Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> and Jonah Hill, who is obviously the expert, he's the, the actual uh, shipman, says, well, we, I know we must have got caught in the Gulf Stream going south. How, how long were we out? Seems plausible. Hmm. Uh, well, with the amount of weed and alcohol that we took, maybe two days? We, we could be anywhere, exclaimed Jonah. <laughs> I'm liking your dramatic reading. And then James Franco. <laughs> relax, dude. Chill. <laughs> How can I relax? You made me think the best trip in the world. I'll never work again. <laughs> so he's panicking. So James and Seth decide that they need to, need to calm him down somehow. So they pin him down and they start blowing smoke into his mouth. That's, that's so abusive. How, I, wouldn't the weed be really wet? Uh, oh, they were on a boat. Was, okay. They were in a boat. Yeah. They okay. Were, fine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was that's a reminder. That was another key plot point. We did determine that the weed was their version of the heart of the ocean, didn't we? So, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's really good weed. So. Yeah. It's great weed. There's mm-hmm. plenty of it. Yeah. Ah, cool. oh, that's better. Says Jonah. <laughs> uh, so the three of them that just all completely hide, lying down in the sand, staring at the clouds, uh, and eventually, well, Jonah's much higher than all the others because obviously he's a bit more of a, would you say, a lightweight. I'm guessing in this telling, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think if anything that this story is going to tell, it's going to tell how how little I know about uh, being high. Yes, in your limited <laughs> experience. <laughs> Dude, how are we getting home? 
hey, that cloud looks like a plane. Maybe we could fly home. <laughs> I don't know. This is. <laughs> it's like I'm in the room with Cheech and Chong. We'll we'll see where this goes. Okay. okay. Yeah. So then Jonah goes, "Yay, let's fly!" So he gets up, has a bit of a run around the beach with his arms like out, like a plane. He climbs up on some rocks and just jumps off and lands in the sea, but it's quite shallow. He actually breaks his leg. Oh dear. Yeah. So James and Seth, they. Uh, look at each other and just like, well, we need to go and help him, I guess. And he's just mm. flailing around in the water, still shouting, I'm flying, I'm flying. With his broken leg. With his broken leg. Um, so they run over, uh, bring him in, mm-hmm. but they actually catch his good leg on a sharp rock or something <laughs> and it pierces his calf. And so he's essentially just got two wrecked legs that he just can't use, but he can't feel any pain or anything. He's just too high. Poor Jonah, always the punching bag. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they drag him onto the beach um, and they talk to each other and just like, okay, well, we need to we need to fix him. Because just for my own, because I'm trying to visualise, is this Fat Jonah Hill or somewhat less Fat Jonah Hill? Uh, I'd say Fat Jonah Hill. Fat Jonah Hill, cool. Mm, okay. Yeah. So they say, well, we need to fix him. So what can we do? So uh, James goes, right, well, I'll I'll tend to his bleeding leg. And if you can go and get some splints so we can, you know, try and fix his broken leg. They've become very medically astute very quickly, considering they were both baked a minute ago. <laughs> yeah, I reckon these two are quite sort of with it when they're baked. Okay. That's how they spend most of their life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, James sets, sets to it, fix, fixing his, uh, sorry, uh, ripping his shirt and tying it just above his thigh, mm-hmm. um, while Seth goes off and finds some wood. A short while later, Seth comes back just saying, hey, will these do, while he snaps it over his knee. <laughs> and James goes, those are the oars to the boat, why did you do that? <laughs> so not totally with it then, no. no. no okay. <laughs> <clears throat> so like, oh no, well, uh, I guess I'll have to use them anyway. So they do that, like, right, okay, so... Well, uh, Jonah Hill's passed out, by the way. Okay. Um, Quite good for him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's out of pain or being too baked, but, you know, he's gone. Yeah. Yeah, and so they say, right, so how are we going to get off this island then? Because, well, I mean, we still got the boat, you know, so that's fine. Tell you what, let's, just for the moment, let's just go and write a sign that says help or something. Mm-hmm. He's a James talking now. And so Seth goes off to go make this sign while James is still just sort of looking after... Um, so, uh, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Yeah. Bear in mind, I've not given these guys names. That's a good point. Are, are these characters getting names? They didn't in the last one. No, they didn't in the last one. And I feel like in Castaway, nobody really had a name until the end. So true. Yeah, yeah. you were just watching Tom Hanks. <clears throat> you really were. Yeah. Yeah, and so he comes back and says, "Well, I finished making a sign. Do you want to come have a look?" Um, James is like, "Yeah, sure. Then he'll be fine for a bit." Um, he's raised his legs up above him, so he's not going to lose too much blood. Well done, Nurse Franco. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's uh, sealed the wound or something with, like, a lighter? No. This is, this is 1912. Yeah. I don't know. No. I haven't, I'm not a medic. No. You're not? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he goes over... What were you o- doing that night, then? <laughs> <laughs> so he goes over to have a look at this sign, and he sees that Seth Rogen... Well, we see from, like, a bird's eye view, um, Seth Rogen has, just using some planks of wood, just made of cock and balls. Okay. <laughs> James is like... Why did they do that? That doesn't that doesn't say help. And it's like, oh man, doesn't it? Oh, I thought it did. Like, no, no. Um, also, where did you find all those planks? Uh yeah, um, yeah. I I just sort of took some from the boat. It's like, wait, you you snapped the oars and then you you took apart the boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what. Yeah. Like, oh, um, I'm too I'm too sober for this. Do you, you want to do you want to get high? Yeah. 
Short while later. I said, I'm really in this. I'm really in this film. Like, you're really selling it. I know, I've, not, I've not done voices so much before. This no, this, this, this could be your niche. I like this one. <laughs> um, a short while later, we cut to them. They're both sitting cross-legged on the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, one, in the, one in each testicle. <laughs> so what? Of the shape that they made out of planks. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. You so excited then. <laughs> Continue. Okay. Yeah, and so then they say, well, one of them, I forget who, says, hey, we should, uh, we should do something else with these words, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Balls. I think that's your Seth Rogen voice. Is it? Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's Seth. Yeah. You've created three clearly delineated characters, and I'm very much interested in each one. So. Okay, well, I've got to work on a James Franco high voice, mm-hmm. I think. I think he's more sort of like how I sound. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so Seth, like, yeah, we need to make something with this word, and... James is like, yeah, I know, right? How's that? Yeah, good, good. good continue. Good. Six hours later, um, Seth Rogen goes, we, sh- we should make something with this wood. That would be good. James is like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And so then we have a bit of a time lapse. <laughs> uh, is this four years later? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh. No, it's not four years later, but it is. It, the time lapse is over a series of days. Okay. Uh, so we see a bird's eye shot it's currently daytime and they start making this uh, this image into something else. Uh, firstly, they just make it a much more high quality version of a cock and balls, essentially. Mm-hmm. With pubes and, and everything, yeah. Everything, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's ejaculating. Oh, great. <laughs> um, and then it, go, it goes overnight, but it's still in time-lapse mode, so it's all going really fast. So overnight, it's day. At uh, one point, we probably see Jonah Hill sort of crawling back. <laughs> Maybe a trail of blood behind him as well. He's in trouble, but nobody really cares. <laughs> and so they start making loads of different shapes. They make a spliff at one point. Um, they make a marijuana leaf. Um, at one point, they make a very good-looking picture of Leonardo DiCaprio's face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at one point, they make the word help with a question mark after it. Another one, they say Academy Award. <laughs> uh, and then the word food. And then uh, at one point, we see... Kind of like a scrapbook sort of thing. It's just Jonah Hill's head and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then it pops. Um, and then they're like, wait, wait. I think we had it. We're out of time lapse now. And so they go back. I don't know. Oh, wait, that, that one that said help. Yeah, that'll do. I've, I've lost my voices now. I'm just making random no, no, noises. <laughs> I really wish our listeners had a visual for how much physicality you're putting into this. I'm really struggling. Really good. <laughs> Tearing my hair out. Oh, God. Um, Are you in the zone? Just I'm embrace it. Go. Sweating. Hey, and Seth says, well, dude, I'm hungry. Um, I'm sick of eating coconuts and fish. I want, I want some meat. James is like, I can give you some meat. It's like, no, I mean, I mean real meat. I know, I know. No, seriously, I'm not gay. I, I, I need some food. No, I know. I mean, I know. I know what we can eat. And then... James whispers and Seth's here, and they both look at Jonah. <laughs> they look down at his broken legs, back up at his face, then down at his legs, back at his face. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> They're going to eat Jonah Hill. The camera cuts away. Mm-hmm. So we now see a plane flying overhead, mm-hmm. and we cut into the pilot. The pilot is Tom Hanks. Okay. And they brought him back. Okay. Um, is this a 1914 plane, like a Wright Brothers kind of just made of cardboard kind of plane? Yeah, it? probably, but it's got enough space okay. know, for, for, for the whole gang. It looks down at the island and sees the word help, mm-hmm. question mark. Like, oh, 
Did I want help or not, madam? This is, this is odd. Um, I'm not going to do a Tom Hanks. Oh, please try. <laughs> no, I, I can't do accents. <laughs> not that any of these guys are British, but whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, no, they were, weren't they? Were they? No, uh, no, you said they were American. Yeah, yeah. They come to Europe to shag around where they were American. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, so we decided to land anyway. Um, to check it out. Lands on a beach and follows the footprints and the trail of blood into a cave. Um... And he walks in and he sees James and Seth both eating Jonah, one leg each. <laughs> like, the legs are still attached. Yeah. They're just eating him. Oh, is he alive? Uh, yeah, he's still alive. Oh, poor Jonah. And Tom Hanks just goes, oh, hell no. <laughs> and that's the end. <laughs> Over the credits, cast away by Green Day. <laughs> <laughs> like it. <laughs> like it a lot. Uh, yes. Um, at the end of the credits, it says, the stoners will return. Oh, okay, so there's going to be another one. Yes. Even Jonah? Maybe. We'll oh, see. We'll okay. see. I like the idea. You're very keen on through lines. I've I know, I know. <laughs> Callbacks, I like it. No, I can I can see that, Phil. Again, I can see that being made. Yeah. I guess the thing is, like, if you, you say Seth Rogen, Jonah Hill, stoner comedy, or Seth Rogen, James Franco, stoner comedy, mm-hmm. you can kind of put it in any genre and it, it works. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's definitely. something that just plays into anything, so... Yeah. That was good. I, once again, I have to really commend you on your performance there. That, that, was, that was Oscar-worthy stuff. It was, oh, great, great. It was so committed. Like, <laughs> I had no confidence in that story before I told it. No. Nothing at all. I think that having had two beers before recording has helped you this week. Maybe. It was probably all that weed I smoked today. Well, that's, you know, much like Daniel Day-Lewis, you're very committed to characterization and mm-hmm. you're very much a method actor. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm completely baked right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> very good, very good. You've set a high bar. Okay, um, okay. So I hope that you've not done the same thing. No, I've not actually. No. <laughs> okay, so my turn. So mine is a sequel too. Mm-hmm. Well, well, actually, yours was more of a remake, wasn't it? More well, like a concept. Yeah, because obviously the original castaway isn't set in it's Titanic so era. True. So a prequel almost. I think that these stoner films that I'm doing, they're more sort of just whatever. They're timeless. Yeah. Okay. So mine is actually a direct sequel. Okay. So it's set sometime after the events of the original movie. I don't think it's set 20 years after the events of the original movie. But Tom Hanks, he kind of looks the same. So I think he can pull it off. Oh, I don't think he does. I, th- I think that he can only... Oh, I'm not saying that. He, he did do that uh, Inferno film, didn't he? Oh, the Da Vinci Code one? Yeah. I didn't see it. He still it, looks but... about the same age as Da Vinci Code. I only saw the first Da Vinci Code. But anyways, it's it, he's play, it, it's maybe like three or four years after Castaway. Sure, something. yeah. So, yeah let's ju- just go with it. Yeah. We'll give him some Botox. <laughs> CGI him, it'll be fine. Um, so yeah, it's some time after the events of the original film. And in an attempt to rebuild his life, Chuck Noland... Well, that was his name. <laughs> I, did, I did have to Wikipedia it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, I completely forgot that. Mm-hmm. He signs a deal to write a book about his experiences of life on the island. I was thinking he should write a book. Yeah, it's clearly the way to go. Yeah. So, no, on, so he writes this draft. He gets a publishing deal. Unfortunately, his first draft is rejected by all the publishers for being too boring. Because publisher, the publisher goes back to him and says, look, it's a great story, but once you get to the island, it just feels like it's page after page of you like building fires and being depressed and talking to volleyballs. It's just kind of, it's not very interesting to read. Is this some kind of comment on the film? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> um, however they say, we do actually like the Wilson angle. So I think maybe you should focus more on that. That feels like there's something there. So he rewrites the book again with more of a self-help angle in which he writes about how projecting his anger and fear on the island mm. onto an inanimate object help them to stay sane during those long four years of isolation. So he represents this version to the publishers and they're a lot happier. Okay. They're like, yeah, this is good. There's, there's something here. But we think you could take this even further. They believe that there's really mileage in what they call Wilsonism <laughs> as a kind of new age philosophy. Mm-hmm. 
anything because self-help books sell like hotcakes. Yeah. So they give him a much offer him a much bigger advance, and they say rewrite this book as a self-help bible about Wilsonism. That's where the money is. So he he does he he's a little bit hesitant, but he does need the money. He hasn't got a lot going on. He struggled to adjust post, you know, after his experiences. So he's. Uh, oh, does he still have his uh, slightly blonde hair? <sighs> Do you mean that? Well, he again, it kind of cut away, and he'd lost it when he was in the plane. He just mm. had like normal dark hair again. Well, there was one point where. Uh, do you remember that scene where they just had like a party or something and then he goes and stares at the food? Mm-hmm. Like he still had blonde on the top and the back of his hair. Oh, I guess, yeah. But I, was that a wig? That looked like a really dodgy of wig. it was a wig. It looked, like a, it looked very wiggy. Yeah, there were a lot of wigs in this film. Oh, yeah, because Helen Hunt had this really dowdy kind of haircut. What was going on there? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, they really, the, 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 there was a period in film where people really marked the passage of time I just put, put putting women in terrible wigs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, did, I forgot to mention earlier, though, I did love her dramatic faint when he calls. Or when someone calls and says, yeah. <laughs> I love a film faint because they're always so cheesy. And love how sort of easily they revealed that she's got a husband and kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> faint, cut to kid. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so to go back. So he, he writes up this book, this self-help book mm-hmm. around the philosophy of Wilsonism, which posits that you can survive, a person can survive any situation as long as they speak to their own inner Wilson. Okay. So basically, if you are struggling with something whether it's work or whether, whether your marriage or anxiety, anything at all, just speak to your inner Wilson, which is an inanimate object that will listen to everything and not be judgmental. Mm-hmm. And that is a philosophy for a self-help philosophy for getting through life. Yeah. And he even comes up with the 10 commandments of Wilsonism, <laughs> which because he's really going in for this kind of self-help Bible kind of vibes. These include confessing your darkest fear, thoughts and fears to Wilson every single day. Mm-hmm. And also you must protect, once you've identified your Wilson, because it does need to be an object, you need to protect your Wilson at all costs. Can a Wilson be a mobile phone? Like an iPhone? I feel like for you it would be. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like for you it already is. <laughs> so most of this is bullshit from the uh, publishing agents, but Chuck is he's playing along, but also he's processing his guilt because he does genuinely feel a lot of guilt about losing the original Wilson. Yeah. It still kind of haunts him a little bit. So he's, he's actually projecting a lot of his anxiety onto this, into this fake religion. Anyway, so the book comes out. Mm-hmm. Instantly becomes a huge bestseller. Mm-hmm. And Wilsonism becomes a phenomenon. It's like Kabbalah or Scientology. It just becomes this huge trend. Everyone, all the celebrities are doing it. Madonna's practicing Wilsonism. Gwyneth mm-hmm. Paltrow is practicing Wilsonism on Goop. It's you know, and people all over the world are crediting Wilsonism with like turning their lives around. And in fact, the volleyball company Wilson cash in I by manufacturing yeah by manufacturing the original ball with special Wilson icons on it mark uh, selling it at like 500 quid a pop even mm-hmm. though it's basically just the original like bog standard volleyball with a red red paint handprint on it mm-hmm. they just put a red handprint on it marking it up to, from like three dollars to five hundred dollars people just snapping up can't get them fast enough sure yeah consumerism right there in that <laughs> so Chuck's not entirely comfortable like this but he does soon find himself in the position of being this kind of self-help guru and he finds himself travelling all over the country giving speeches about how Wilsonism saved his life. Okay. Every, oh, every Wilsonist ga- gathering ends with the entire auditorium full of people just standing up as one voice and just screaming out, Wilson! <laughs> and that's like, like a cathartic peak of the Wilsonist yeah. movement, basically. Wilson! Well, how did everybody know that that was... That was a thing that he shouted Wilson. Was that just in his book? Or? That was in his book, yeah. Okay. It's part of he's, he's really translating experiences and selling. Oh, wait, wait, could it be like a release of some kind? Like you're supposed to put everything into this object. That's when you sort of release everything into the object. Yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. It, 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 the object becomes the thing that you release all of your fears and anxieties into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is all this is all a very, very much a self-help kind of mm-hmm. process. 
So after a while, as Wilsonism becomes more and more popular, Chuck begins attracting not just fans, but genuinely dedicated followers who kind of worship him as almost a prophet. I get the same. Yeah. So what you, you get people worshiping you as a prophet. Yeah, it's ever since we did this podcast. It's just been non-stop. Non- non-stop. Yeah. Only you, though, not me. Yeah. People have just really gravitated towards you. Mm. Weird. Anyway, mm. who knows? Apparently I'm too dark. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, as a marketing gimmick, the publishers, who are loving all these, you know, all the sales this is generating, encourage Chuck to register Wilsonism as a formal religion mm-hmm. and to install himself as their holy leader. Wow. Yeah. So Chuck is now, now by, by this point, he's been fully seduced by his new life as a religious leader. Mm. And because I felt like, actually, it's not a million miles away from his previous job as a FedEx person. Because in the early scene in which he is giving the speech to the Russian warehouse, do you remember the scene? It, it was a bit like he was this. It, it, it treated was, FedEx as a cult. It was a very weird scene. Yeah, I mean, it didn't make him very likable. No, and it, it also I, I didn't understand the point of it. Mm-hmm. It's just like, how does this business work? Yeah, surely they all know what they're doing. Get the boxes in the van. Get them to the airport. Yeah, but he he came off like a preacher. It was like worship the clock. Yeah, never ever you know never commit the sin. He says sin. Never commit the sin of losing time. Mm-hmm. So that was what gave me this idea that Chuck could very easily become a cult leader mm-hmm. without much change in his personality. So as I say, he becomes seduced by this lifestyle. So he agrees. He becomes installed as like the holy leader of the Wilsonist movement and starts holding regular sermons that draw enormous crowds. Mm. Okay. So in order to manage the volume of followers who are now flocking to the Church of Wilsonism, they built a giant compound is kind of constructed in rural Tennessee, which is where he's based in the original film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and worshippers are now encouraged to travel to Tennessee, join this compound, give up all of their worldly possessions and dedicate their lives to the practice and service of Wilsonism. So for a while, Chuck is living a life of luxury as this kind of messiah figure. Uh, he's being worshipped and doted on by this ever-growing army of kind of acolytes. Mm. Uh, after some time, however, his followers begin to discover that screaming at a volleyball for an hour a day isn't actually solving all their problems, <laughs> strangely enough. Uh, however, rather than accept that the entire concept of Wilsonism is just ludicrous and peddling easy answers, mm-hmm. they actually start to question Chuck's authority to lead the cult, mm. which is what happens a lot with religion. When people join religions and it doesn't automatically solve all their problems, rather than be like, oh, maybe this religion is based on lies, mm-hmm. they tend to start infighting. So that's what's happening here. Yeah. So, although he founded the religion, Chuck isn't actually the object of worship, because the object of worship is, of course, Wilson. Mm-hmm. That's Wilsonism. So now people begin to question what happened to the original Wilson, the original ball. And they, they dubbed that ball the one true Wilson. <laughs> and Chuck did actually write in his book that Wilson was lost at sea during his escape from the island. But there's now a significant subsect of the Wilsonist movement that begins to rise against him and accuse him of having actually murdered the one true Wilson <laughs> to further his own career. Mm-hmm. So soon Wilsonism becomes split down the middle into two rival factions. You've got the Wilson Wilsonian loyalists and you've got the Wilsonian fundamentalists. Okay, okay. Uh, the loyalists continue to recognise Chuck as the ordained father of the Wilsonian movement, mm. while the fundamentalists accuse him of being a false prophet and they demand that he be removed from his post. So the rivalry between the two factions soon dissolves into open warfare and the fundamentalists demand that Chuck be tried for heresy and God murder. Because he murdered the one true Wilson. Mm-hmm. So they think. In the middle of all this, the US government starts to become concerned mm-hmm. because suddenly there's a huge religious cult that's sprung up out of nowhere. Thousands and thousands of people are joining it. Mm-hmm. And it's spreading and rapidly escalating into like actual violence. So they're not happy. And so they start to investigate and Chuck finds himself under investigation for fraud and money laundering. 
again, similar to Scientology, where they're trying to discredit him by... And he has essentially been encouraging people to donate all their worldly possessions to him. So yeah, yeah. There's no smoke without fire here. So, at first, Chuck's worshippers from the Wilsonian Loyalist movement kind of vow to defend him, and they rally around him. And as soon as camp is under siege from both members of the Wilsonian fundamentalists and also the US Army. So at this point, Chuck just wants out, because he's made all this up, and it's gone way out of hand. Mm-hmm. So as the fighting continues to escalate, he attempts to surrender, but his fellows won't, won't allow it. They just won't let him. They're too invested in this. So also his guilt over what really happened to Wilson, the, the, the actual Wilson, has combined with the stress of being a living god, has caused Chuck to kind of lose grip on reality. And he's gone a bit insane again, much like he was on the island. He's kind of fallen into this kind of delusion kind of thing. Yeah. So in the kind of the grip of insanity, he announces that he has a very important sermon to deliver, not only to his own followers, but to the whole world. So he gets TV crews come in, he stands on a pulpit, mm-hmm. and in front of millions of viewers around the world, he tearfully confesses that the fundamentalists were correct, and he did in fact kill Wilson, and he feels terrible about it. So obviously his, his, his kind of followers in the loyalist movement are horrified, and they're also furious. He's immediately put on trial, and a jury combined with the loyalists and the fundamentalists, who've now had their beliefs confirmed, obviously, they, they immediately find him guilty of deicide, which is the word for killing a god. <laughs> Real word. And he's sentenced to banishment. So, in cooperation with the US government, who at this point just want rid of him, Chuck is airlifted back to the original island. Oh, God. <laughs> where he's sentenced to live the rest of his life in total isolation. So he ends as he begins back on the island. Mm. Nobody's allowed to go near him. It's mm-hmm. like a no-fly zone. He's got just a prison island for the rest of his life. So the film ends with Chuck naked and alone on the island once again. And in the last shot, he falls to his knees and just screams, Wilson! Wilson! <laughs> and then the credits roll. However, okay. there's a post-credits scene. Okay, great, yeah. great. We cut to the year 2147. So we're in the future. <laughs> And obviously, <laughs> and a combination of global warming and religious warfare has left the entire world a barren post-apocalyptic wasteland, <laughs> populated by warring tribes made up from the remnants of human civilization, and things like electricity, technology, all the other all things of the past. You know, mm-hmm. now the world has become this very tribal kind of you know mm-hmm. backwards place. But Wilsonist fundamentalism is still one of the key religions <laughs> because. After Chuck's fall from grace, the religion actually only grew in popularity because the two different sides reconnected. Mm-hmm. And soon it was rivaling like Islam, Christianity, Judaism, Hinduism as one of the world's major religions. It mm. spread really fast, really quickly. And inevitably, when religions grow that fast, the teachings became kind of corrupted and twisted beyond all recognition, leading to all kinds of conflicts that have brought, essentially brought around the ends of the world. Because mm-hmm. Wilsonists have... You know, been fighting Christians, Muslims, Hindus, Jews, etc. Yeah. So the world just descended into religious warfare, as it often does. So, this post-credit scene, we see a bedraggled man walking along a beach, and I think this should be played by someone who looks like a bit survivalist, like Viggo Mortensen or Sean Bean or something. Viggo Mortensen. Viggo Mortensen, yeah. better, yeah. So he's walking along a beach, and he actually has, we see he has a tattoo of Wilson, just a tattoo of a volleyball with a face on mm-hmm. his on his bicep. Uh, which is the, the symbol of Wilsonism. So mm-hmm. we know that he is a Wilsonist. Mm-hmm. So as he walks, he sees a mysterious item walk, wash up off the, on the shore, and he walks over to it to examine it, picks it up, and we see his entire face change as he looks at this object. He's li- quite literally having a holy shit moment. <laughs> he raises the item into the air with a look of wonder, and we see it is the original Wilson. And then, end of movie. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. 
Very good. Yeah. Okay. Does that have a name? Oh, yeah, I forgot to say. Uh, so it's called Castaway 2 Wilsonism. Okay, Wilson, yeah. yeah. Solid. Not my most inspired name, but yeah. What was the name <laughs> of yours again? Well, yeah, I, know, I didn't say either. Uh, mine was called Castaway Weed Island. Okay, good. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Any questions? Nope. No. Nope. No, nope, as always. Nope. Solid, solid cool. idea. Yeah. Very good. So I don't know. again, it wasn't as dark as uh, as, as you're, you're known for. You sound disappointed. Yeah, I do. I do. It's been a while since you've got really dark. <laughs> I knew you were protesting too much about the cat thing. Okay, well next week. I'll hey, that cat was too far. <laughs> a healthy middle ground between. You know. Yeah, something, something in between. Okay, yeah. well I'll see what I can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if there's nothing else, we do have some listener submissions again. Oh great! We've got some good ones this week actually. Mm. Not that they're not always good guys. But... So once again, blokebusters. Uh, they pitched that that's at Blokebusters on Twitter. Uh, we keep flashing back and forth between Chuck's normal life and him stuck on another island, and his mind doesn't know what's real. So the question is whether he was really rescued at all at the end of the film, or did he wash up on another island? Yeah. So this is this, this kind of yeah duology. Mm-hmm. I like it. Uh, C and C Geek Cast at C and C Geek Cast have pitched Castaway Two. Finally, figure out what was in that damn package. <laughs> The one that he never opens. <laughs> what do you think was in it? Um, I assume it was just a pair of metal wings or something. Yeah. Wasn't it? Because wasn't he essentially returning it to sender? Maybe. Cause she... Oh no, was it supposed to be delivered to her? No, 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 because at the start of the film, we it starts with her, she's welding these wings, that seems to be her thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the FedEx guy comes and just takes his package saying, oh, is this the one? He's like, and she's like, yeah, 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 there'll be another one next week. Um, oh okay. And she's take and he takes a package with golden wings on it. Oh, so it wouldn't have done him any good on Island. Uh, well, maybe it's as much good as the ice skates. Mm, maybe it's supposed to signify some kind of like that these wings would have helped him fly away from the island. <laughs> I thought there were religious tones in this film. Yeah, like those I agree. wings clearly, were clearly supposed to be like the angel that was guiding him home that then left him. I, I don't know what that means. Yeah. No, I agree. Other people can look into that. I really wanted him to open it, or her to open it, and for it to be like. GPS. Yeah, a flare gun, an inflatable <laughs> life raft, and a, a box of matches. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, anyway, no. So that was that. Uh, Tim Wilson at Timmy666. I don't know if that means that he is the satanic version of Wilson. Oh, his, uh, his, his pitch was Castaway 2 Wilson's Return. He didn't give us any plot, but uh, okay. fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Geeky Brummy at Geeky Brummy. Tom Hanks' son is lost on, the isle- on an island with only a rugby ball as his best friend. <laughs> Uh, and we see Tom Hanks trying to arrange a rescue an e- rescue effort to find him. And I think the son should be played by Colin Hanks. So that's an obvious casting choice. Okay, I yeah. don't know who that is. I, that's I, Tom I was... Hanks' son, who also acts. I would assume. Yes. AJ Black, at AJ Black Writer. An alien race gave Wilson intelligence and abducts Tom Hanks. And stranding them both on an island once again, they have to debate the futility of existence. Oh, great. Sounds quite arty. <laughs> And finally, uh, the Birmingham Comedy Festival, Beham Comfest, at Beham Comfest. Tom Hanks gets washed up on a desert island with 14 tons of plastic bottles and old plastic bags, spends the film naming all the bottles. <laughs> and back in civilization, speed two-star Jason Patrick gets stuck in a lift. Alrighty. Great. So, yeah, nice and random. We like random. So, yeah, good work, guys, as always. Some, some mm. interesting submissions there. Uh, so next week, I believe it's your turn. So. It is my turn. Um, and I'm still not fully decided what I'm going to do, but I'm going to mm. pick something randomly from the list. Go on. It's going to be a little film called District 9. Ooh, interesting. I've not seen. I know of it. You've not seen I've it? I've not Good. seen it, but I know of it. Okay. Good. 
good choice. Well, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Okay, so next week, tune in next week, and we'll do District 9. My one challenge for you, your idea cannot be District 10. Okay, that's fine. Great. Cool, I'll do my best. <laughs> um, so yeah, tune in next week for District 9. <clears throat> if you have any ideas for sequels, prequels, or spin-offs you'd like to see for um, Castaway or District 9 or any of the films we've done in the past or you'd like to see us do in the future... We are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us on our website, beyondtheboxset.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Beyond the Box Set. And, uh, yeah, if you like what you hear, please subscribe. Leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast network that you're listening to us through. It really helps us out. Ideally five stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll accept four, but no less. Mm. We prefer five. I won't accept four. Yeah, you just want... Okay, we've got 100% five stars so so far, so whoever breaks that's going to really ruin it for us. Yeah, Yeah, like... Yeah. We we will hunt you down. Yeah, we will. (laughs) Not joking. No, Harry's got murder in his eyes. But... <laughs> cool. Mm. Tron will microwave you. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> or your cat. I will microwave your most beloved pet or child. Harsh. Okay, and on that note, <laughs> see you all next week. Bye. Bye.